And here we go again. Hey, folks, and welcome to this Wednesday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined, as always, by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And I hope you folks had a great holiday weekend. Hope you had a grand gay old time out there. And I know you queens out there extended your gay pride all the way through the 4th, partying it up, having a grand gay old time in the process. Not that I am judging that, of course. Speaking of the 4th, though, we were supposed to be here for a podcast, and that was the intent. Unfortunately, folks, sometimes life gets in the way. And for me, folks, that involved a trip to the ER, x-rays, crutches, and on my back with my knee propped up and iced down. For some reason, folks, I screwed up my knee, which screwed up my holiday, and screwed up my ability to do a podcast on Sunday. I could not even sit up straight in a chair without a lot of pain. So unfortunately, folks, we were not able to do a podcast on Sunday. But we are here now, and we are going to do that podcast today. So now that we are back behind the microphone, let's go ahead and jump right in. And folks, I have to say, not doing podcasts for a week. I have way too many stories to cover without it being a two-hour podcast. So what I've done this time is I've added a news headline section just to read off a couple headlines for stories that I just, I simply just don't have the time to take care of right now. So let's go ahead and jump into our news headlines. And this first one is from USA Today. Miss Nevada crowns transgender woman Cataluna Enriquez in historic win beyond honored. White boy Malcolm X, what was it a month or two ago where I said that the first time you have a transgender woman in one of these pageants, she is going to win the pageant. And why is she going to win the pageant? Because, folks, those judges are terrified of being called transphobic. Absolutely terrified of that or being called a bigot or a turf or all sorts of fun names that they are called. And here we go, folks. A transgender woman is in a pageant. And what happens? She wins. I have to say, though, that was a pretty easy one to call. They're just not going to put themselves in a position where they're going to be called transphobic for not giving the transgender candidate the award. That is not going to happen, folks. So I suspect that Cataluna Enriquez is on her way to winning the big prize. But enough about that, because let's face it, folks, that was a pretty easy one to call. This next one's from Fox News. Megan McCain to quit The View. And does anyone really care? No. Nobody gives a crap. (laughs) You want to talk about a nepotism case, She's like the female Peter Ducey. She is the Hunter Biden without the crack cocaine. She is just another in a long, 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 long line of nepotism cases getting rich off their parents' connections. I'm sure that Whoopi, Joy Behar, and I don't know what stupid chick sits in the 4C, but I'm sure the three of them will find some other token conservative, another dim-witted chick that they can go yap, 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 yap to about all their woke ideas or what have you. I don't know. I don't watch The View. The last thing, folks, that I want to see is four stupid women going yap, 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 yap about current events. What Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar or Megan McCain have to say about anything, I could care less. From the Daily Caller, Pinterest announces it will ban all ads promoting weight loss. So all you fat chicks and queens out there with self-esteem issues, You can feel better about yourself as you're looking for gardening and decorating ideas on Pinterest. 
you will not have to see any Weight Watchers ads to shame you for being fat. I'll tell you what, though, White Boy Malcolm X. Random aside, folks, sorry. I have to say that the fat positive crowd, I think that's what they call themselves, they are a horribly insecure, thin-skinned group of people. They act all defiant about being proud to be fat. Oh, we like the way we are. We enjoy being plus size. They like to claim that they are super proud to be morbidly obese, but I tell you what, folks, they want to live in a world where nobody judges them for being fat. I don't really give a crap if they're fat, but I tell you what, though, that's just idiotic, to me anyway, to stand there and demand that nobody judge you for being fat. Nobody gets to go through life like that. You can argue that it's unfortunate. Yes, absolutely it is. I'm not going to disagree with you on that one, but that's the reality. Everyone gets judged at some point or another. For the fat crowd to go, well, you're not allowed to judge me for being fat. Well, okay then. I mean, I don't really care that you're fat unless you're sitting next to me in an airplane. Then I get a little pissed off about how fat you are when you're bleeding into my seat. Otherwise, I don't really give a crap if you're fat or not. But don't stand there and say, you're not allowed to judge me because you sound like a stupid millennial wanting the entire world to be one big safe space for you. If you truly, honestly don't care what people think, if you truly, honestly are proud to be morbidly obese, then theoretically, it shouldn't bother you whatsoever if someone makes fun of you for being fat. But like I said, folks, they are horribly insecure. They are horribly thin-skinned. You're not allowed to say anything about it. And now Pinterest has to pull down all these weight loss ads because these folks don't want to feel shame over being fat. Okay, then. Doesn't affect me. I don't go on Pinterest. I could care less. From Blaze Media, Disney World drops ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from recorded greeting as Park pushes to be a place where everyone is welcome. Okay, then. I am not going to say a word about that. (laughs) You folks over at Disney World, you have fun being woke there. Another one from Fox News. National Archives Racism Task Force says own rotunda example of structural racism knocks founding fathers. So white boy Malcolm X, pull up the Excel spreadsheet and add rotundas to the list of racist things. A rotunda, folks, a rotunda is racist. And I am so glad to see that the National Archives is using taxpayer dollars to fund a racism task force that is stunning rotundas as racist objects. I'm sure the woke folk are happy, of course, but rotundas, white boy Malcolm X, rotundas are racist. And finally, folks, for our last news headline, this is from Fast Company. Should we start wearing masks again because of the Delta variant? So, yes, folks, COVID Karen just can't quit being COVID Karen. She is not going to go back willingly to being a regular low-rent Karen. No. She wants to be COVID Karen for as long as she can. So the Delta variant is here, and COVID Karen, folks, has a new excuse to force everyone back to wearing masks, back to being six feet apart, back to preventing grandkids from hugging grandma and grandpa. COVID Karen, folks, COVID Karen is back again. And when we have dispatched the Delta variant, folks, the Gamma variant, the Zeta variant, I don't know, whatever Greek alphabet variant is coming next, COVID Karen, folks, 
she will be there ready to enforce new mandates about social distancing and masks. Okay, folks, now that our news headlines are over, let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. This first one is from Breitbart. Connecticut legalizes marijuana to combat racial disparities. Uh Uh-oh, let's find out more about that. Here are a couple pull quotes. The bill was passed under the umbrella of social justice to combat racial disparities and will place with a social equity council the task of how to regulate the new legal marijuana market so that it becomes an instrument for addressing racial, social, and economic injustice, reported C.T. Mirror. The governor, the feckless Ned Lamont folks, and the state's lawmakers will make appointments to the council that will be charged with promoting participation in the new industry by people from communities disproportionately harmed by marijuana prohibition and enforcement. According to the plan, social equity applicants from census tracts in Connecticut that have been disproportionately affected by the war on drugs will receive 50% of all the licenses granted for the cultivation and marketing of recreational marijuana. 50% white boy Malcolm X. They are only getting 50% of the marijuana, the ganja licenses in the state of Connecticut. That's it. That is all they get. So I guess, folks, the Native Americans, they get all the casinos, and the BIPOC folk, they get the weed dispensaries. They get to sell the good stuff to promote social equity. Well, okay then. You folks in Connecticut enjoy getting high and enriching the BIPOC folk with their weed dispensaries. This next story is from the New York Post and White Boy Malcolm X. I am so glad, sir, that you are sitting down for this one because this may be triggering to you, sir, that someone is stealing your shtick. How's this headline, folks? White influencer identifies as Korean after surgeries to look like BTS singer. So white boy Malcolm X, this idiot actually had surgeries so he could identify as Korean more authentically. You, sir, have not done anything like this to identify as black more correctly. You, sir, should take a page out of this guy's playbook. Here are a couple pull quotes about this white influencer who now identifies as Korean. A British-born white influencer, and folks, I have absolutely no idea what a white influencer is. I don't know how he influences people to be white. I would think that would be kind of racist. Who the hell wants to identify as white these days? And why do you think, folks, that nobody wants to identify as white these days? Because whitey sucks. Whitey is a racist. Whitey is horrible. Everyone knows that whitey sucks. That is part of the reason that white boy Malcolm X identifies as capital B black. Because he knows, folks, that being blue-eyed and blonde hair does not work in today's society. He knows the smart thing to do is to identify as black. So I don't know, folks what a white influencer actually does, and I don't know why anyone would want to do that in the first place. But I digress, so let's do that again. A British-born white influencer has had, get this folks, 18 plastic surgery procedures to look like a member of K-pop band BTS and now identifies as Korean. Ollie London, who uses, oh God, Jesus Christmas, they, them pronouns, on Monday, shared a series of, so yes, White by Malcolm X, this blooming idiot, Ollie London, is a member of our Star Wars Bar of a Tribe. 
as if things could not get any worse with the Tiger Queen and Colton Underwood and Gus Kitworthy. We've got this idiot, Ollie, Ollie London, with 18 plastic surgeries so he can identify as Korean God. Jesus Christmas. This is a hot mess. Let's try that again, though. Ollie London, who uses they, them pronouns, of course, on Monday shared a series of videos from a hospital bed to show off the latest round of work in their bid to look like Park Jimin. Hey guys, I'm finally Korean. I've transitioned, London said in one video, saying they were transracial and now identify as Jimin. I identify as Korean. That's just my culture. That's my home country. That's exactly how I look now, the newly named Jimin said. So white boy Malcolm X, I just want to make sure I completely understand this story correctly. This white kid, Ollie London, has had 18 plastic surgeries to look like some boy band pop star, some guy named Park Jimin. He's so obsessed, or they are so obsessed. Sorry, folks, I sometimes screw up with the funky pronoun set. They are so obsessed with Park Jimin and this K-pop band, BTS, that they named themselves, after these 18 surgeries, named themselves after Park Jimin. Did I get that correct, sir? Okay, that's what I thought. Couple thoughts here. First off, I kind of feel bad for Park Jimin. This poor Korean kid, he's in a pop band, he's singing, he's doing whatever he's doing in these pop bands. I don't know what these kids do these days. He's out there, and all of a sudden, he's got some weird white kid in London naming himself after him, having 18 plastic surgeries to look just like him. That's got to be a little creepy for Park Jimin to have some stupid white kid with funky pronouns butchering his face over a dozen times to look just like you. I would be, if I were Park Jimin, I'd be like, holy crap, how can I get a restraining order on this sociopath stalking me to the extent that he wants to look just like me and has named himself after me? That would be really unnerving to me if I were Park Jimin. I don't know how much money Park Jimin makes, but he better start increasing his security if this nut job is out there floating about. My second thought is who the hell is paying for this? Because they've got free health care in England, folks. I would hate to be an English taxpayer paying for 18 plastic surgeries so some weirdo can look just like a Korean pop star. That would piss me off as an English taxpayer. Third, I feel bad for the Korean people in general. Can you imagine, folks, being Korean and some weirdo in England has 18 plastic surgeries so he can look like a member of a boy band and he declares himself Korean off of 18 plastic surgeries? That kid with the funky pronouns has reduced Korean society, has reduced Korean culture to having 18 plastic surgeries and declaring yourself Korean. I'm sure the Koreans are like, what the hell is going on with this stupid weirdo? Why did he pick us to emulate? Jesus Christmas, how do we keep this kid out of our country? I'm sure this stupid idiot is going to go over to the Korean embassy in London and say, I am a Korean citizen. Look at how I butchered my face six ways to Sunday. Can I get my Korean passport now? You might have to have a restraining order, not just for Park Jimin, but for the entire country of Korea, South Korea, who gives a crap about the North Koreans, they can send him there. He can starve to death in a prison camp. You're going to have to have a restraining order for all the people of South Korea against this weirdo, Ali London. Some poor South Korean tourist 
They're going to be over in London, and Ollie's going to walk up to them and go, Oh, hi, fellow Koreans. How are you? I'm Ollie London. Look, I look just like Park Jimin. My name is Jimin now. They're going to be like, Jesus Christmas, this weirdo has stalked us, has tracked us down. Let's get out of here. And lastly, folks, lastly, I have to say that I feel bad for Michael Jackson. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X, I feel bad for Michael Jackson. And why do I feel bad for Michael Jackson, folks? Not because he diddled children just like a high school teacher. Allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe. I feel bad for Michael Jackson, folks, because he was mocked and ridiculed for getting his skin bleached so he could look more white. People were picking on him because he wanted to look white. Now, in today's society, folks, they would probably lock him up for being insane. Nobody wants to be white. White boy Malcolm X identifies as black. Ollie London identifies as Korean. Nobody wants to be white these days. But back in the day when Michael Jackson was bleaching his skin, being white, it sucked, but not nearly as much as it does now. And the skin bleaching, folks, that just scratches the surface of what Michael Jackson did to look white. We're not even going to touch the plastic surgeries. But I feel bad for Michael Jackson because he was ridiculed up and down for trying to look white. And this kid, nobody is going to say a damn word about all the plastic surgeries. And God knows what else he's done to now identify as Korean. The only thing I think I can say to this white boy Malcolm X, 18 plastic surgeries, running around, stalking this poor kid in this K-pop band. Ollie, bless your heart, dear. (laughs) Bless your heart. If you think this is going to make you happy. Mark my words, white boy Malcolm X. Maybe 10 years, 15 tops. This kid's going to wake up and go, what the hell have I done? (laughs) And how do I reverse 18 plastic surgeries so I can look white again? From Just the News, Illinois legislature passes law requiring feminine hygiene products in boys' bathrooms. Tampons in boys' bathrooms? Uh Uh-oh. Let's find out more. Here are some poll quotes. A bill awaiting the Illinois governor's signature would require schools to provide free menstruation products in both girls' and boys' bathrooms for grades 4 through 12. State Representative Kathleen Willis, a co-sponsor of the proposal, said products such as tampons and sanitary napkins are needed in both girls' and boys' bathrooms in order to address the health needs of transgender students. If you are biologically a female, but identifying as a male, you're going to menstruate and you're going to need these products, Willis said during floor debate. Of all the problems that they have in the state of Illinois, folks, the crime in Chicago. How many people get shot every weekend in Chicago? A lot, let's face it, folks. A lot of bullets are spent in the city of Chicago every weekend. That state is laden with debt that they will never be able to pay back. They've got huge pension problems for all their government workers. They have got a crumbling infrastructure. They have got crappy schools. The list goes on and on and on about what a dump the state of Illinois is. They have tons of problems, folks, that they could be focusing on to make the lives of their citizens better. But what are they worried about in the state of Illinois, other than people getting shot all the time in the city of Chicago, other than the fact that the state is falling apart, other than the fact that they owe a lot of people a lot of money, they're never going to be able to pay back, and on and on and on. Their focus in the state of Illinois, in the legislature in the state of Illinois, their primary focus, folks, is that if a fourth grade boy starts to menstruate, that he's got a tampon in the bathroom. 
That is their priority. <laughs> Bless your hearts in the state of Illinois if that is the hill you want to die on at this particular moment. I mean, I guess it's easier to solve than all the shootings in the city of Chicago. Throwing a tampon box up in the boys' bathroom in all their stupid schools, that's an easy one they can solve. They can check that box pretty quickly. I would say, White by Malcolm X, I would say, bless your hearts to all those folks over there in Illinois. I've lived in that state twice. I'm not doing that a third time, trust me. But I would say, bless your hearts to all you folks in Illinois. But you idiots voted these clowns into office. So this is what you get. <laughs> this is what you get. This is what you deserve for voting these morons into office. Tampons in the boys' bathroom at your local elementary school. So you kids in Illinois, have fun with that one. From the Daily Caller, treated like, well, I'll just say poo. But that's not the word they used, folks. Queen Kamala reportedly heads abusive work environment. Huh. Now that one, folks, I'm a little shocked that Queen Kamala runs an abusive work environment. But let's find out more. Here are some poll quotes. Vice President Queen Kamala's office is reportedly an abusive environment where staffers are thrown under the bus when things go wrong, according to 22 current and former staffers who spoke to Politico on condition of anonymity Wednesday. Much of the ire from current and former staff is aimed at Harris's chief of staff, Tina Flournoy. Flournoy allegedly routinely blames low-level staffers when initiatives fall through and often ignores input from staff, the sources told Politico. Don't you just love it, white boy Malcolm X? Don't you love it when leftist mean girls tear into each other like this? And you don't even have to respond, sir, because I already know the answer. But mark my words, folks, Queen Kamala, she likes to keep lists of people that piss her off. So I have no doubt, folks, that 22 more names are about to be added to that list. And Tina, Tina, dear, don't be surprised when Queen Kamala throws your ass under the bus to save her own skin. From the New York Post, Andrew Cuomo's daughter, Michaela, declares herself demisexual. So, yes, folks, Michaela Cuomo, that dopey chick is back for more because calling herself queer or whatever the hell else she called herself a few months back, that was not enough attention for her, so she is back for more. And if you folks are out there going, well, Mella, what's a demisexual? Folks, according to WebMD, a demisexual is a person who only feels attracted to someone when they have an emotional bond. In other words, folks, a demisexual is not into hookups. They just want to make out. They just want to have sex with people that they are emotionally attached to. I don't know what that has to do with queer. I don't know what that has to do with being in the tribe. Because straight people can also be demisexuals. If that's your thing, if you can only have sex with someone, if you have an emotional bond with them, that could really be anyone. That is not exclusive to the LGBTQ plus community. But let's go ahead and find out a little bit more about what Michaela Kumo is yapping on about. Yap, 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 when she's talking about a demisexual. So here is a quote from Michaela. When I was in elementary school, I feared that I was a lesbian. I don't know what she was afraid about, but I guess she was. When I was in middle school, I came out to my family and close friends as bisexual. And what are bisexuals, folks? They are the laziest members of our tribe. 
And why are they the laziest members of our tribe? Because they will do anyone. So this stupid chick, she goes from being a lesbian or thinking she's a lesbian to being bisexual. But she's not done, folks. There's more. When I was in high school, I discovered pansexuality and thought, that's the flag for me. What's a pansexual, folks? A pansexual is just a snooty bisexual. Same damn thing. Another distinction without a difference. That was apparently the flag for her for that moment. But there's more. There's still more, folks. She's not done. And I've recently learned more about demisexuality and have believed that that identity resonates with me most. She said on a live stream with Donato Tremato, the former CEO of Tivity Health and a donor to the Robert F. Kennedy Center, which employs her mother, Carrie Kennedy. I think white boy Malcolm X, and you folks out there, before I continue on with her yapping, I think that she's got a bet with Demi Lovato over who can have the most reboots in their lives. Demi, folks, if you remember, she's had a couple of reboots. She was straight to begin with. Then she went to pansexual, again, a snooty bisexual. And now, folks, now she is non-binary. She's on Demi 3.0. She has rebooted herself a couple of times. Michaela here, she went from straight to thinking she was a lesbian to being a bisexual. Then she went to pansexual because being a regular bisexual wasn't enough. She had to be a snooty bisexual, a pansexual. And now, folks, now she's going to demisexuality. I have no idea, folks, what that has to do with being a member of the tribe because theoretically, anyone can be a demisexual. But she is linking it to being in the tribe somehow. But in any case, I think, White Boy Malcolm X, I think that she has had more reboots than Demi Lovato could ever hope to imagine having. That is how many reboots this stupid chick has had. And folks, she is still not done going, yap, 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 yap. She added that when she first came out as queer, she feared that she would be perceived as (laughs) attention-seeking. No kidding there, dear. Since it's hip or cool to not be hetero in my liberal bubble. So I guess Michaela Kennedy Kumo has now validated my theory that we have seven or eight different gender identities and seven or eight different sexual orientations because everyone has to feel super special and I want my very own special identity and my very own super special pronouns. In her liberal bubble, folks, you can't just be straight. Being heterosexual, that's just not cool enough in her liberal bubble. Everyone's got to be different. Therefore, everyone is exactly the same. You want to talk about groupthink, her and her stupid idiot friends are the perfect example of a bunch of morons all doing the exact same thing, thinking that they're doing something completely different from everyone else. It's like, what, 15, 20 years ago? Getting a tattoo was the cool thing to do. That showed how cool and edgy you were, how out of the mainstream you were. Until everyone got a tattoo, and then, hey, It was cool and edgy to not have a tattoo. Those were the different people, the ones that didn't spend two and $3,000 on a bunch of stupid tattoos so they could seem edgy and cool. Michaela Kennedy Kumo, her and her stupid friends, they're so desperate to stand out from each other, they're all doing the exact same thing. Oh, I'm pansexual. Oh, I'm bisexual. Oh, I'm a demisexual. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. Oh, my funky pronouns are they, them. Oh, my funky pronouns are zizirza. They're all doing the exact same thing, but they're too stupid to realize that. 
They all think they're edgy and cool and differentiating themselves from the pack. But collectively, they're just acting like a pack of stupid sheep. And this reminds me of a book, and I think it's the Abigail Schreier book, but don't quote me on that. There's one of these books out there, and it looks at the explosion of transgenderism in kids these days. And one of these books talks about these clusters of girls that come out as transgender boys. And if you look at the statistics about the number of transgender people in the population at large, and then you look at this cluster of girls, and they all come out as transgender boys, the odds of that happening statistically are nil. It just doesn't randomly happen that a pack of girls all comes out as transgender boys. And yes, folks, I know you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to point these things out. But kids these days, you can blame social media. You can blame peer pressure. You can blame all sorts of things. But kids these days, just growing up normal isn't enough for them. They've got to differentiate themselves somehow, some way, whether they become pansexuals or transgenders or they have funky pronouns. They've got to set themselves apart from the pack. Unfortunately, folks, they're too stupid to figure out that they're right in the middle of the pack because everyone else is doing exactly what they're doing. Oh, my pronouns are this. Oh, my gender identity is this. Oh, my sexual orientation is that. They're all doing the exact same thing. So this latest clown, Michaela Kennedy Kumo, with all her silly, stupid reboots, is yet another sheep right in the middle of the flock doing exactly what everyone else is doing. So, Michaela, I'm going to tell you exactly what I tell everyone else. I hope all these reboots, I hope all these rebranding efforts helps you to find your blistier. I really do. I hope this makes you happy. You're not near as different from everyone else as you think you are. So bless your heart, bless your friend's hearts, and bless all your hearts if you think that is going to make you happy. From NPR, Johnson County, Iowa, renames itself after a different Johnson. Uh Uh-oh, another rebranding effort. This time in Iowa, folks. Let's find out more. Here are some poll quotes. Johnson County, Iowa has a new name. It will still be Johnson County, but henceforth the county is taking its name from a different Johnson. Lulu Merle Johnson, a professor and historian who was the first black woman to earn a Ph.D. in Iowa. It was originally named for Richard Mentor Johnson, who served as vice president under President Martin Van Buren. So this, folks, this is reason 5,683 why the BIPOC folk don't trust white liberals. As if they need any more excuses to understand why white liberals are mostly frauds. Why are white liberals the way they are? White liberals, they love to act woke. They love to act like they are down for the struggle. And they do it, folks, because they want to virtue signal to other white liberals, and they want to assuage their white guilt. That is why white liberals carry on the way they do. This rebranding effort in Johnson County, Iowa, I guarantee you, folks, nobody knows why that county is named Johnson County. Nobody knows who Richard Mentor Johnson was. They probably never heard that name until this story came out. And now you've got Lulu Merle Johnson. And let me tell you something, folks. Nobody is going to remember Lulu Merle Johnson. I give it maybe a week. Maybe two weeks, but I would say tops two weeks. Nobody is going to remember Lulu or Richard. They just know that the county is named Johnson County. That's all they care about, and life will go on. To the 10 BIPOC folk who probably live in Johnson County, Iowa, They're probably just rolling their eyes. Jesus Christmas, 
Here go the stupid white liberals again with their virtue signaling and assuaging their white guilt. This changes nothing, of course. They don't even need to change any signs, folks, off the highway. The signs will still say, welcome to Johnson County, Iowa, population, whatever. None of that's going to change. Nothing has changed. Yet again, folks, just a bunch of stupid white liberals assuaging their white guilt and virtue signaling to each other to show how down for the struggle they think they are. So the only thing that's changed in Johnson County, Iowa, folks, is the white liberals have gotten that much more smug about how woke and down for the struggle they are. And bless all your hearts there in Johnson County, Iowa, if you think you have changed a damn thing. And for our last news quick hit from the College Fix, responsible pet ownership regulations are racist, some scholars argue. So I guess the word responsible is triggering to too many people. Let's find out more. Here are some poll quotes. The term responsible pet ownership has its roots in racism, classism, and the white-dominant culture. That is according to researchers with the University of Denver's Institute for Human-Animal Connection, who argue that some animal control policies perpetrate racial and income inequalities in the United States. Punishment to support the need to align animal control enforcement with the human social justice movement was co-authored by scholars at the Institute who posited that animal control enforcement and punishment disproportionately hurt people of color and low-income communities. Well, that, of course, folks, goes without saying. Everything disproportionately affects the BIPOC folk. The authors, led by Kevin Nolan Morris, University of Denver research professor, and snooty white liberal on a college campus, and American Humane Endowed Chair, stressed the influence of racial biases on the problem. Not only driven by racism, classism, and the white-dominant culture, the legal concept of responsible pet ownership is also largely unobtainable for anyone in the U.S. other than white, middle, and upper-class individuals, their paper argued. This includes animal welfare practices such as providing shelter, behavioral training, or veterinary care. Do I have this right, White by Malcolm X, that providing shelter and veterinary care, we'll put aside behavioral training, those folks who can afford to have a dog trainer, they can have what the dog whisperer come in and whisper to the dog, the dog behaves itself from that point forward. Providing shelter and veterinary care is driven by racism, classism, and white dominant culture. Did I get that right? You think so. Okay. I would say, folks, just me, folks, but I would say that blaming bad decision-making on racism, classism, and white-dominant culture, to me, it's kind of nutty. Adopting a dog or a cat or a bird or a bunny rabbit or a snake, I don't know, whatever kind of pets people get these days, adopting an animal and not being able to provide shelter or veterinary care, that to me, that to me is just bad decision-making has nothing to do with racism, classism, or a white-dominant culture. It's kind of like having kids you can't afford. It's a bad decision. You can't pay for the diapers. You can't pay for the food. You can't pay for the doctor. You can't pay for anything. You're still popping out a kid or two or three. That is a bad decision to me. Of course, the rest of us get to pay for that, but that's a topic for another day. This idiot from the University of Denver And let's face it, folks, we've had a couple of stories based at the University of Denver. That campus is full of complete morons. This one, though, if you can't shelter your animal or take it to the vet, don't worry about it. That's not your problem. That's racism. 
That's classism. That is white dominant culture. Whitey is to blame for all of this. It's Whitey's fault that you can't take your dog to the vet. It's Whitey's fault that you can't put a roof over your dog's head. And who's blaming you? Whitey on a college campus. Another dopey white liberal. Oh, I'm down for the struggle. I love the BIPOC folk. Kevin Nolan Morse. Another dopey white liberal on a college campus. Screaming about how Whitey sucks. So I guess, to me, white boy Malcolm X, and I could be wrong. You tell me if I'm wrong, sir. We need, folks, we need pet equity. So if the BIPOC folk, if they can't afford veterinary care, and if the BIPOC folk can't afford behavioral training, and if the BIPOC folk can't afford shelter for the pet, Whitey shouldn't be allowed to have it either. We had that story, I think a week or two ago, where the good white liberals were complaining about tree inequity. And what do you do if there's inequity in anything? You make everyone equally miserable. So I thought, folks, that the right thing to do to have tree equity would be to go into all the white neighborhoods and chop down their trees. If BIPOC folks don't have trees, whitey should not be allowed to have trees either. In this case, folks, one of two things. Number one, we either shut down all the veterinary clinics or, or we have veterinary care welfare for the BIPOC folk who can't afford to take their dogs and their cats and their birds and their snakes and what have you to the veterinarian. Shut them all down or welfare. Probably welfare. Government loves welfare as a solution to a problem. Hand out vouchers for free veterinary care. And on top of that, we can have doggy house welfare as well. We can hand out free dog houses to all the BIPOC folk, so all their dogs and cats and bunnies and snakes, they've got a roof over their heads. So you good white liberals out there with your dogs and your cats and your horses and what other fancy animals you have out there, if you want to show how down for the struggle you are, how much you love the woke folk out there, You need to start mistreating your animals. They don't need to go to the vet. They can stay outside in the cold and the rain and the wind and all the other stuff. I would put them on a chain in the backyard and just leave them there. That is how you show how woke you are these days. That is how you virtue signal to all the other white liberals. That is how you assuage your white guilt. Mistreat your animal so you can be more like the BIPOC folk, just like Kevin Nolan Morris and those other dolts over at the University of Denver think things need to be to have pet equity moving forward. Okay, folks, our news quick hits are over. It is time for our news stories. And white boy Malcolm X, gaze at the front smoking gunners at the back. We just got done with woke. I think treating your pets like a good woke folk, I think that was enough woke for today. So we just got gay smoking gun done. That work for you, sir? Okay, let's go ahead and jump in. This first one is from Pink News, and here's this headline. Lil Nas X, and folks, I guess Lil Nas X is a rapper or a singer of some sort, just came out as a power bottom. And if you don't know what a power bottom is, folks, I am not going to explain that here on the Miller Frost Show. Lil Nas X has come out as a power bottom and told his fans about the challenges facing queer men who enjoy anal stimulation. The Montero Call Me By Your Name singer And folks, I assume that Montero Call Me By Your Name is a song that they have sung dish the details on his sexual position on Twitter amid fierce homophobic backlash over his onstage kiss at the BET Awards. White Boy Malcolm X, you are fake black and I know that you are down for the struggle. Did you watch the BET Awards? Did you watch Little Nas X kiss another man? You did not. Okay. I guess you're not as woke as I thought you were, sir. 
Shame, white boy Malcolm X. Shame, shame. But I guess, folks, even though we did not see it, Little Nas X kissed another man at the BET Awards. And this, folks, is a quote from a tweet that Little Nas X sent. Since y'all still doing all this over a kiss, I'ma just blank the blank on stage next time. And folks, he did not just say blank. He said the F word, and then he used the N word. So let's just do that again with the F and the N. Since y'all still doing all this over a kiss, I'ma just F the N on stage next time. And that is one long sentence, folks. So little Nas X is not particular on grammar. Gay rapper Kevin Abstract, whoever the hell that is, replied to his tweet, repeating the question fans have been asking ever since he burst onto the scene with Old Town Road. Are you a top or a bottom? Little Nas simply replied. Now, I would reply, folks. I would reply, none of your blanking business, buddy. But Little Nas, he actually replied, folks. And he said, power bottom, before expanding on exactly what that means. Taking his lead from Chimamanga Ngozi Adichie's We Should All Be Feminists essay. And folks, I have no idea who this Chimamanga chick is. He wrote, We teach our bottoms to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to bottoms, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you would threaten the top. Little Nass is also winning praise from sex workers. And folks, if you don't know what a sex worker is, that is a hooker or a prostitute. And experts for speaking candidly about power bottom. Okay, I, <laughs> I am not going to read any more about this, folks. I am literally not going to read this article anymore. Because let me tell you something, it goes on and on and on. It actually quotes sex workers, folks. And yes, again, prostitutes or hookers. It actually quotes them talking about how little Nas X has empowered them talking about being a power bottom. This article even has a section headlined, what is a power bottom and how is it different to regular bottoming? That is a bridge too far for the Millefranche. I talk about a lot of things on this podcast, folks, but I am not going to sit here and explain the difference between being a bottom and a power bottom. That is something that you folks can research on your own time. I am not going to explain the difference between a regular bottom and a power bottom. Do that on your own. That this white boy Malcolm X is considered news in the tribe. Little Nas X yapping on, yap, 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 about being a raging power bottom. That is important news to those girls over being news, God. God help our tribe if this is what people care about. Okay, folks, it is time for our final story. Yes, it is a smoking gun story. Unfortunately, though, it is not in Florida, although this could be a pretty good story in the state of Florida, but how's this headline? Cops. Couple opened fire on Burger King workers over a spicy chicken sandwich. This kind of reminds me of that story we had, and that was actually in Florida, folks, where that old woman... She ordered herself a Whopper, and she got really, really, really butthurt about a tomato on that Whopper, or lack thereof. She went up to the counter, folks, and she started dropping the N-word to those poor beleaguered workers at the Burger King. They, of course, called Popo, and she got herself in a little bit of trouble. These folks ordered a spicy chicken sandwich. Apparently, they got butthurt as well, but they didn't call names. They started to unload their firearms. So let's find out more about this. 
A Tennessee couple is facing attempted murder charges after they allegedly opened fire at Burger King employees following a dispute over a spicy chicken sandwich, according to a criminal complaint. Police report that Tavaris McKinney, 22, and Keona Halliburton, 20, got into an argument earlier this month with Burger King workers at a restaurant in Memphis. The duo, cops say, complained that Halliburton's chicken sandwich was too spicy. And that, folks, that is why I think it would be a really good Florida story. Because if you order a spicy chicken sandwich and you complain about how spicy it is, that is what I would call Floridian logic. My chicken sandwich, it's too spicy. You ordered a spicy chicken sandwich. Well, yes, I know, but it's too spicy. That's why we call it the spicy chicken sandwich. It's that kind of Floridian logic, folks. They'll order a spicy chicken sandwich and complain about how spicy it is. That is Floridian logic to a T. After the initial altercation, McKinney and Halliburton departed for a few minutes, but returned in their Ford Escape of all godforsaken cars to pull in and do a drive-by in a Ford Escape and allegedly fired multiple shots from the road into the parking lot. Two female victims were hit by gunfire, while two other women were also shot at during this time. McKinney and Halliburton were charged after several victims identified them as the assailants in the June 6th shooting. McKinney and Halliburton are both locked up in the Shelby County Jail on four counts of attempted murder and four counts of using a firearm in the commission of a felony. And that, folks, is how we know this story is definitely not in Florida. These are felonies, not misdemeanors. Halliburton is being held in lieu of $500,000 bond, while McKinney has a million-dollar bond due to his lengthy rap sheet, which includes collars for aggravated assault, kidnapping, and domestic assault. And no, Wipe of Macamex, we are not going to do a reenactment of this story. Number one, people were actually shot in this story, and I'm not going to do a reenactment of that. That's not really funny. And number two, Popo aren't in this story. And what good is a smoking gun reenactment if Popo aren't around? We can assume that Popo and the EMT showed up, but they're not here in this story, and I don't know if I can add them to it and do this story justice. So on that note, folks, since I cannot top these two idiots shooting people over a spicy chicken sandwich that they thought was too spicy, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for this Wednesday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined, as always, by my fake black friend, White Boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week, a great start to your weekend, and we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care.